Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. I am Mark Schlar alongside uh, my co-host Mike Evans, who apparently, uh, apparently, Kirk Cousins' wife got you dressed today. Did she? Is that is that from the Cousins collection? Did you get that yes. at uh, J.C. Penney's yes, or what? Yes. That, that is, is beautiful. This is this is like what this, is that velvet? This, this is beautiful. This is Kirk Cousins' top selling item on his I line. Should, I should I say mean, so. Yeah, you, know, you know, it's funny now that you. Now that you mentioned this, uh-huh. I did when I first saw this shirt and put it on, I did I had just seen a picture of Cousins reporting to camp. Yes. Wearing a shirt like this. Yeah. And I shouldn't be surprised that you picked up on that Fine, but, and are busting my chops that's, over that's it. That's because so. I watched the first episode of Quarterback on Netflix. What, what do you think about that? Um I think it's I think I always have a little bit of problem. I think first and foremost, not a little problem. I shouldn't say there. I I I'm so negative. Just always kind of on the negative side of things, uh, and I apologize for that. I, I guess um, not. I don't have a problem, but like I know how difficult playing is, and I know what you put yourself through, and I know the work required to be really good. Like I understand. I understand that. So when I watch it, I'm just like, yeah, okay. That that's what you. That's what you do, right? That's the kind of effort you have to give that's the kind of workload you have to have that's kind of memorization and kind of you know all that stuff so it it doesn't it's not surprising to me it's like uh hard knocks like uh, hard knocks never like it was never one of those things i was like oh i gotta watch hard knocks because look what these guys do like I, i know what you do um i think i look at it from more of the production side having been in television for 20 some odd years of the ability to go and and grab stuff from the fs1 grab stuff from you know espn grab the sound bites do all that stuff and then piecemeal all these individual things together to tell a story like the production side of it and the editing side of it and and what they have created i think that's the mastery to me can you appreciate though the appeal of it for you know, people like myself, fans like myself, sure. fans like everyone out there watching. Because one thing I've learned over many, many years of covering sports, what fans love is the idea of having that curtain pulled back, right. and we get a chance to look behind the curtain mm-hmm. at what you know goes on behind the scenes, and it goes way beyond just what we watch on a Sunday or a Thursday night or a, su- a Monday night. We get a chance to really peel back that curtain and see what 
what happens with these guys, how they are, how they mm-hmm. how they live, what they talk about, all that inside information that I, I think fans crave. So it, I understand why, especially since you're talking about quarterbacks, right? You know, the most important position in all of sports. Mm-hmm. Sorry, left guards, mm-hmm. but. You can see the fascination behind it, I think. Yeah, you're always the most important until the left guard doesn't do his job. You take one of the teeth, right? Because you can't do your job unless I do my job. Actually, they can. No, they can't. They, and they plus the, the other thing that annoys me about quarterbacks. Can we, since we're on the topic sure, of things, get, hey, we're, hey, we're in the truth tree, right? Right, right. right. They, so, oh, it's the hardest. Like Peyton Manning comes on before, you know, he's got he he gives his kind of introduction to the series because it's you know anything Peyton touches, it's like he's got the Midas touch, right? And everybody, ooh, it's Peyton Manning, ooh, he's amazing. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it's it's all like, oh, I'm biased, but it's the hardest position in all. And I'm like, oh my god. Right, hey man, if the flat route's covered, you know that the the flat defender has outside leverage. Throw it to the curl. Ooh, throw it where there's not the guy. Oh, if this guy's covered, that means that that guy's open. Like I, you know, hey, if the if the post safety plays deep, throw the basic. If the post safety plays up, throw the post. Woo, you know, like it's really that difficult. Anybody could play that game. So you're saying that if you weren't so incredibly yoked and you were just a mere mortal at six foot two, 195 yeah, pounds, you could play. You could have played quarterback. There's no question. I could have played quarterback. Huh. I was actually quarterback when I started. In in I played for the boys' club. How my old? first team? How old were you? I started playing football when I was twelve. Oh, so you were a quarterback when you were 12, and well, you took tw- that extensive knowledge of being a 12-year-old quarterback, and it now makes you believe that mm-hmm. if things mm-hmm. had turned out differently, you could have been an NFL quarterback because it's actually not that okay, hard of a position to play. Here's, here's what happened. Okay, let me just give you this. So this, is, this, is, this, should end, this should end the controversy once and for all. So I was, you know, obviously I grew up in Alaska. I was the fastest kid, you know, the most athletic kid. You know, I'm not bragging. It's just fact. So I had all those things going for me and instantly became the quarterback of my 12-year-old team. Uh, Felt pretty good. Felt pretty proud that, you know, I was going to be the next Terry Bradshaw. And then O-line tryouts came out. And I also happened to be one of the bigger kids and one of the stronger kids. And, um, you know, my dad told me when I started playing football, he he had two rules for me. He said, one, once you start, you can't quit. And two, whatever they ask you to do, do it to the best of your ability. Great advice. Great advice, right? So I'm the starting quarterback, and we can't find anybody to snap the ball to the, you know, to the to the quarterbacks. Like we can't, we can't the center quarterback exchange, which is imperative to actually starting the play, right? We couldn't create a center, you know, quarterback exchange because nobody could snap the ball. So my coach, Binky Stanley. Binky. Binky. Coach Binky Stanley. Coach Bink. Oh. Said, hey, man, would you snap the ball to our backup quarterback, his little brother, Timmy Stanley? And uh, Binky and Timmy. Yeah. Okay. And so I got down on the line of scrimmage and remember what my father told me, you know, be the best. Snapped it right up there. Snapped it up there again. We could execute a play. And I went from the starting quarterback of that team to the starting center without ever actually playing a game of quarterback. <laughs> so... Yeah. Who would you say your quarterback style best, you know, compared to from uh, today's quarterbacks? Um, Are you more of a, 
you know, big arm, big unbelievable arm. athletic, tall. Yeah, like I was a Josh, like Josh, a Josh Allen. <laughs> I was a Josh Allen of twelve-year-olds in Alaska that never actually got to play. Right. Dude, I went home and I had one of them like snot bubble cries. You know, yeah, like because you, you just <laughs> like <laughs> it's unfair. You know, I, I was a quarterback and now I play an offensive line. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then, you know, my mom called me down. Then my dad came home. I started crying again, you know, and I wanted to quit. And uh, and poolside, my father, God bless him, he's like, uh, listen, man, you made me a promise. When I said you could play football, you're going to give your best effort. I'm proud of you for doing that. And he goes, and um, and then he said, uh, and you made me promise you wouldn't quit. So you got to stick it out. Now, the moral of the story is, uh, you know, I went on to play center in high school, went on to get a scholarship to play center at the University of Idaho, got drafted as a center to, yep. to the Washington Redskins, ended up playing 12 years in the NFL, um, which I probably played 18 if I'd have stuck at quarterback yeah. and been in yeah. the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I that's what but, I would imagine. But the NFL career that you ended up having uh, is all thanks to Binky Stanley. To Bink. The Binky, Binky, thank you, Binky. The Binkster. <laughs> this one's for you. I, I watched, I watched Do you remember the, the name of your team, by the way? Uh, we were the service eye cougars. <laughs> not lady cougars, like <laughs> not, not that kind of cougar. Like <laughs> scary cougar. Well Well that's yeah, that's a good point. It is a good point. Yeah, Binky. I actually watched the Super Bowl at Binky's house a couple of years ago. No uh, kidding. Yeah, between Seattle and the Patriots. Yeah. I watched the Super Bowl with Binky. He lives in Arizona. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That is, wow. Who? Small I, world, I right? Had, I had a whole, you, you had I had a whole, whole, plan a whole this, list uh, of things to talk about. And that, that, that's no. gone. So, uh, by the way, the uh, success of the quarterback series on Netflix is has been so popular that they've already uh, agreed to season two, and we know who the quarterbacks are going to be in season two. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my gosh. And Daniel Jones. Oof. Well, that's going to be a tough sell. <laughs> that, that one's going to be like watching paint dry. Daniel, Daniel Jones? Jones? Yeah. No. Not that interesting? Uh, not in a meeting, he's not. I mean, oh. Daniel Jones is a nice, really nice kid. Don't get me wrong. And all of his teammates talk about his drive and how, you know, how, like, competitive he is and all that stuff. But when you meet with him, it is probably... One of the boring, boringest meetings you'll you'll ever have. Rogers intrigues me because you know, I mean, who knows what kind of you know ghee butter enema he's going to have on camera? You know, feeding the stirrups <laughs> like that'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> and then uh, I just Josh Allen. I did an event with Josh Allen, uh, and you want to talk about a dude? Like yeah. Josh Allen's a dude, man. Right, right. Smart, funny, flips you grief. Like I, that's that, those two really intrigue me. Daniel, maybe we'll learn something about Daniel Jones. Maybe maybe he won't be as as boring. Maybe he's just you know that's an act. Maybe that's an act. Could be. Could be. Could be. Uh, the running back Zoom meeting. Oh my lord. <laughs> I couldn't wait to talk about this one. Okay. So we had the Zoom meeting the other night, the other day, uh-huh. uh, started by, put together by the Chargers, Austin Eckler. Right. And the idea was, hey, what what are we going to do as running backs? We, mm-hmm. uh, we, we we take a beating. We, we put up big numbers. Uh, we're very important to our team's yes. offenses. In some cases, our offenses are built around us as running backs. But when it comes time to getting paid more and more, mm-hmm. these running backs 
aren't getting paid. And running backs don't know what to do about it. They had this Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb came out of the meeting and said, I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know what we can really do. Saquon Barkley ended up taking a one-year deal sure. worth upwards of about $11, $12 million. Where, where, do, where do running backs go from here? Oh, I mean, what can they do? Like, like seriously, like we're going to have a – this is a Zoom meeting. It's a bitch fest meeting. We're just going to bitch about how bad we've got it. One thing, one thing that'll never happen. First and foremost, let me just say this: you guys agreed to it in the collective bargaining agreement, right? The things that agreed to what? Agreed to the fact that there's a franchise tag. Agreed to the fact that this is the this is the deal we've gotten, and you are a diminishing commodity, and your position reaches its peak at about 27 years old, and after 30, you guys get kicked to the curb. So why would any any owner? that has these parameters that you've agreed to, why would any owner go, you know what, I realize that the shelf life of the running back is far limited to the quarterback, to the wide receiver, to the safety, to the offensive lineman, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to shatter the mold and we're going to pay you more than we should. That's just bad business. And you agreed to it. Like The, the fact that we as players, and I put myself in this because I'm, I'm part of the problem, but the fact that we as players agree like we don't ever get what we want but the owners understand this 80 percent of the players you know are 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 short-time employees that aren't amassing enough money and haven't saved enough money to survive a long-term holdout or a long-term lockout so they know that that the the majority of players are going to go. What do you What are you giving us? Less practice time? We'll take it. I mean, it's like it's like Kramer, you know, when they when he got burnt by the coffee. Was it the coffee where they, they offered him free coffee? I'll take it. You know, it's like that's what we do as players. We're idiots. Like we we negotiate things that don't matter, and the owners act like, Ooh, I don't know, we can give up less practice time. <laughs> You know, that's really going to hurt us. I refuse. Okay, I'll, we'll take it. You know, I mean, it's it's silliness to me. And so what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to get on a big Zoom call and everybody's going to bitch about how bad we got it? The one thing I know about playing in the NFL is if you bypass money, you will never make it back. Mm-hmm. So all these, all these running backs that are going to stomp their feet and do all, you know, this is wrong. They're all going to show up eventually to camp and they're all going to play because you want to walk away from $10.1 million if you're Josh Jacobs. You know what? You will never, ever, ever, ever make that money back. It's gone. And once it's gone, it's gone for good. Are running backs important though? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're important. There's no question. Like Saquon. So has their value or has their role been devalued at all? Absolutely, it's been devalued. Why? Well, because I think that that ultimately, it's probably and running backs are going to hate to hear this, but it's probably the one the one position that you go from college to the NFL and it transitions. Like if you can if you can read holes and you can see what's in front of you and you can make the proper cuts and and you've got some toughness and you run with some toughness between the tackles, you're going to play and you're probably going to start. And so it's that one position where the learning curve is probably less than every other position in football. And then the beating you take, I mean, it's not just, it's not that you're taking huge hits. It's that every time you run the ball, there's, there's 
seven guys that fall on top of you. And you do take some hits, and you do take that punishment. Think about Saquon Barkley. You know, he just signs. He signs the $10.1 million tender or whatever it is for the franchise day, and they agree to some incentives. It's another million dollars, okay? So it's $11.1 million. Um and I don't know if there's some if there were some handshake wink wink guarantees that we're not going to franchise you again. Maybe there was. I don't know. Um, but the bottom line, he was about 40 percent of the the Giants' offense. You know, I did a Giants game against Jacksonville. It was a great. I had a great Brian Dable's a friend of mine. Like we had a great meeting and. All the New York papers, like you, you always get these articles, right? About all these articles, and all the New York papers were talking about, hey, Brian Dables and, and and Mike Kafka's unbelievable adjustments at halftime, and that's what's you know really saved the Giants, and the Giants are just this, that, and the other. And so, you know, I walk into this meeting and go, okay, tell me about your halftime adjustments because you know I'm not seeing it on film, so tell me what you guys are doing differently. What's the halftime? And he goes, I uh, sit down with. With Mike Kafka, my offensive coordinator, I say, uh, hand it to 26 as much as you can. And then when you don't hand it to 26, throw it to 26 as much as you can. So he goes, we don't make one halftime adjustment. Our halftime adjustment is to give it to 26 as much as possible. He's probably 35, 40% of the offense for crying out loud last year. Him and Daniel Jones running around. So, you know, is he valuable? Yeah. And I understand that they're upset about it. I get it. But you know what? We as a we as a collective group, as a as a player association, we don't do shit to avoid it. You know, I mean, you, you really want to be like, you know, who should really be pissed at us as players is the rookies coming in, because we've limited the amount of money they can make in, in uh, for this foist of hey, if we limit the amount of money they can make, they'll pass it on to the veterans. I used to go to this bar when I was in Alaska called Chill Coot Charlie's. Their motto, you can buy a t-shirt, Chill Coot Charlie's, where we cheat the other guy and pass the savings on to you. You think the owners, billionaires, are going to go, well, we saved uh, $100 million on rookies' wages, so let's just give it to the rest. Let's just distribute it evenly to everybody else. No. They'll distribute it to the quarterback, and then they'll pocket the rest because that's how they work, and we're stupid enough to fall for it. So, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of empathy because we put ourselves in this position as players because we negotiate and we bargain for things that don't matter. Less practice time. You're, you're basically, less, you know what less practice time does? It creates even a wider division between the haves and the have-nots. You know why? Because why would I play a middling player, big money, an average player, big money, whose skill set is now diminishing, who has never really become proficient at professional football. When I can pay a rookie, the rookie wage scale, who's at least ascending as an athlete, but he's got about the same skill level, maybe a little bit less, but at least he's ascending, the other guy's going down. So why would I pay $5 million to that guy when I can pay $750,000 to this guy? So we'll just bounce that guy out of the league. You didn't think that was going to happen? Of course it's going to I told the Players Association when they did the last collective bargaining agreement, everything I told them that was going to happen has happened. But, but you know what? But less practice time. So I become less skilled as a football player? And then, then when I've got eight years in the league, they go, yeah, we don't really need you. We'll take the rookie instead. We're so stupid. We're so stupid. And now we're going to complain about it. where were all the running backs when they were ex- they were, when they were making the fullback extinct? Did they have a Zoom meeting for the running backs going? We have got to stop this atrocity. This is unbelievable. My fullback is being no. They were like, well, at least I'm getting mine. 
So I don't, you know, I don't want to hear it. Hey, Austin Eckler should put a Zoom call together with the Chargers to see exactly how they can quit choking games away and like and losing twenty-seven point leads or, or, or giving up twenty-seven point leads to Jacksonville. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of uh, ironic that a Zoom meeting in which Nick Chubb comes out of it and says, "I don't know." At the end of the day, what are we going to do? Right. Any surprise that that was put together by a Charger? Yeah. Right. Charger's going to charge her. Yeah, right. We right. want to put together a Zoom meeting where we'll accomplish absolutely nothing. <laughs> Boom. That's the Charger way. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hope I don't uh, get any Charger games. <laughs> yeah. Man. Well, all yeah. right. Charger fans, we love you. Hey, you still got Justin Herbert, so life life ain't that bad. Yeah. Um, stock gambling. We here in Denver saw it uh, come home to the home front here as uh, – any Awuka, good uh, boy. Any Awuzu, Awuzaruk, Awuza. Let's try that again. Okay. Any Awuzo. Wow. I said it all during the radio show. No right. problem. Now I can't say it. Any Uwazarike. Uwazarike. Yeah, you go. Uwazarike. We're gonna go with that one. Yeah. Uwazarike. Can we can we edit everything else? Out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that nah, was I like I like Kevin it. Harlan Just keep trying it to in. say Albert Okawebanon, <laughs> but uh, love you, Kevin. Um, so. He, he he got popped for gambling, and uh-huh. he's one of several players that have been popped for gambling. And, boy, it's – talk about – I mean, it used to be with, with the drug testing and everything, it was three strikes before you were out. This is like yeah. one strike, you're gone. Yeah. He's, he can't – he's gone for the year. He can try to reinsta- reinstate next July. Uh, next year for to return to the, NBA, uh, to the NFL. Where do you come down on the whole um, – gambling thing do you do you have any empathy at all for the players zero i have no empathy i have no sympathy i have no anything a fee a fees for me i have no fees when it comes to gambling all of them gone out the window because it's 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 so to me it's so cut and dry like we had this in the presentation at fox at the fox seminar the fox uh, what do you call this fox summit right and Here's what I, I I wrote it down. It was easy in my in my handy dandy notebook. But I remember it because it was this easy. Like that's how it should be, right? You cannot gamble on the NFL. Boom, done. You can't gamble on NFL games. I don't care if you're betting your team to win. You can't. It says it. You can't gamble on NFL games. Okay, boom. There's one. You can't gamble inside your facility on anything, and you can't gamble. When you're at a team-structured function. So you can't gamble on the bus, on the plane to the hotel. You know, at the hotel you're staying at, that's all considered team. You can't gamble anywhere. It's pretty cut and dry. It's plastered in every locker room. You watch video before the season. Like, to me, this is an idiot test. And you failed the idiot test. Like, you're either a gambling degenerate, if you can't follow those rules, or you're a moron. That, that that's there's only two categories. You're a degenerate or you're an idiot, and you failed the idiot test. It's like fall. It's like in my day, failing the drug test in the NFL because they told you, listen, guys, we're gonna have a marijuana test, okay, and it's gonna be on this date, July whatever, when we go to camp, and you're gonna be tested, and that's the only time you're gonna get tested all year. So they always said when the fireworks go off. Quit smoking weed, okay? And then you'll pass the test, and then you can smoke as much weed as you want because you'll never get tested again until next July 28th. And yet, despite that, you still had people getting popped right, for, but- for taking drugs, and yet they got three strikes before they were really, really penalized. So why—I'm not arguing with you about the idea mm-hmm. that 
pro football players can't be betting on football games. Fine, I, I got okay. that. I just, I, I to me, it just seems like, you know, you're 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 throwing the book at a guy who who jaywalked, right? For his first offense, there's no leniency. There's no hey, look, dude. We warned you. Right. Okay, now we're hitting you with a four-game suspension. Mm-hmm. It's going to hit you hard. It's going to hit mm-hmm. you in the wallet. I mean, that would get my attention. Yeah. Why what I think is just drastic overkill, Yeah. Because, popping a guy for I the think, entire I think, year. I think ultimately you're dealing with the integrity of the league and the way we make money and the way we market ourselves, and you're dealing with the integrity of the shield. Like That's the most important thing. The shield is the most important thing versus the integrity of the individual. Like – Hey, man, the game goes on if you get popped for smoking weed. And you're the idiot that got caught for smoking weed, and you're going to be punished for it three games, four games, whatever it is, right? But you're talking about the integrity of the league and the way the league prospers and makes money. Ah, and if you start if you start to look at if you start to look at you know perception, if the perception of the league is these things are fixed and guys are in cahoots with, you know, with with gambling and th- then you're talking about then you're talking about you know killing the golden goose and so it really becomes the perception of hey man we've got this under control and this is all regulated and if you step over the line man you're going to be dealt with and and so it it becomes an integrity of the shield issue because it, it will affect our bottom line well, the money yeah that's why I don't know I don't I don't feel comfortable you using integrity in this conversation, if you just want to say, right. look, this is the business model. This is the golden goose. Okay. And yeah. Because gambling is such a huge part of our sport and has always been. And now it's even to another higher level with our involvement with all right. the sporting sites. But integrity, I have a hard time with the NFL saying this is all about the integrity of the game. This is a league that at many times over the course of its history has shown they're really not concerned with the integrity of the game. Now we could talk about concussions. Sure. Um, and, and the like. Yeah. So I don't, I, you know, yeah, like, well, I, the, I mean, the for the NFL, and all that, to, yeah. the NFL to get up there and say, you know, pound our chest with morality and say, this is all about the integrity of the game. Come on. This is about, we don't want to kill the golden goose that is gambling. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Just okay. call it that. The integrity of the way we make money. I mean, it's right. like, however you want to, however okay. you integrity, but integrity, may be, integrity speaks to some sort of, we got this moral code that we're trying to stand by. Right. Come on. But, that, is, but that's why that's why they suspend you for a year because it, it again perception becomes reality. If the perception is, man, we're taking this very seriously, and even though and, and everything I've heard is this guy gambled on his team to win. Oh, still a year long suspension right. because we've got integrity. Right. You know. I mean, right. Yeah. It's it's about it's about making sure that that we don't tarnish the shield. And that we continue to make billions of dollars every single year and taking that money. And ultimately, you look at that money that's coming in. You know, there's a reason the salary cap goes up $20 million a year, right? And gambling has a lot to do with that. And so, again, don't kill the golden goose. You know what? The money's still going to flow if you get popped, uh, if you Johnny individual gets popped on a, a drug charge, right? And, and everybody will look at it and go, hey, you can't do that, but we hope he gets the help he needs, right? And, you know, and like you said, the concussion issue and all the different things that have gone on, um, you know, I get the, the player safety and all that kind of stuff, and but it doesn't affect the money flowing in. Right. And right. and I think that's I think that really is what and you made what a great point earlier to. when we were doing our radio show together about how there there is a difference between uh, protecting the individual or, or penalizing the individual mm-hmm. versus the league, right? You know, because because if you're you're talking about 
Yeah, do, it's you can the understand why the people, league versus the integrity of the player. Right, because you can have a player, he can smack around a woman, mm-hmm. and he's going to get less penalized than betting well, 50 yeah. bucks on his team to win a football game. Yeah, he'll I mean, get he'll get less of a suspension yes. for doing that. Um, Which seems kind of bizarre, but I think the way you right. define it is and again, yeah, and again, I mean, I think that the integrity of the league, they'll go find that guy or suspend that guy, whatever. But it doesn't it doesn't stop the cash from flowing right. into right. into the organization. And it really tarnishes that individuals. And, and look, listen, if you're a great player, you know, I mean, it, there's going to be there's going to be. You know, it, there's more damage to your own persona right. than there is to the league, right? And ultimately, that's that's the way they're gonna they're gonna err on the side of let's protect the shield as much as possible. I think if you're a, a, a fan of a team that hasn't had a player popped yet for for gambling, you should feel pretty fortunate. Yeah, because there's a lot of idiots that play in the National Football yes. League. There's a lot of morons. Yes, yes. right. Even though you've you've told them everything, what? Well, I was on the team bus. Yeah, well, that's a team sanctioned event. Huh? What? You know? But I placed my bet on you know on Fanduel or yeah. you know on whatever. Yeah, you you can't do that. It doesn't make sense. I bet on us to win. Like, how can that be wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's a lot of. Idiots. I wasn't even betting on football. I was betting on in the uh, NBA finals, but I was sitting at my locker during right. an OTA, and that's against the rules. Correct. Too many rules. A lot of rules. A lot of rules. A lot of rules. Easy to lose sight of things. Yes, yes. You know? It, it, well, it is, Mike. It is. It's easy. Hey, everybody, run out and get your Kirk Cousins. Yes. I think that line of, is, uh, is that a JC Penny? Yeah, I got You know mine. what I love about JC Penny? I just went directly to Kirk's website, you know? One of my favorite <laughs> JC Penny quotes. Okay. Okay, because JC Penny was actually a real dude. Yes. He was a guy. Yeah. So one of my favorite J.C. Penny quotes, and I use it all the time, the best teacher is the job itself. J.C. Penny. Well said. Yes. And the shirt proves it. You look dead sexy. You're hot. That's hot. That shirt is hot. Uh, hey, for everybody involved in the Sink Truth Podcast, we thank you for listening. I appreciate you guys so much. And we'll be back with you later in the week to uh, – I don't know. It's all camp. There's like four or five all teams camp. in camp. Yep. Bunch of camps. Everybody else is showing up. So yeah, everybody else is going to show up time. here in the next couple of days. So uh, we'll talk about camp and uh, and continue on with the uh, Sing of Truth podcast. Thank you, guys.